Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another interesting week that we had in the trade. We saw some higher numbers in the corn. It was lower on the beans. The wheat had some positive numbers today, but as we all know, their week has not been all on the green. Flip the page, look at the livestock side, and the struggle bus pulled up, and these markets definitely climbed onto it, especially these hog contracts. We're going to talk about what's been happening in the livestock side as well, as a lot of outside market influence as well on this trade. Joining us today is Darren Fry. Darren is with Water Street Advisors, and it makes for an interesting week when we can see, Darren, a little bit of green on the screen, but know that there was some definite struggles in these grains this week. As we start out kind of looking at the soybeans, uh, they kind of rolled over on the trade. Yeah, they really did. You know, when we saw the COT report yesterday that's been delayed, but it's up through March 7th, uh, that showed that the funds were fairly long in soybeans, but really long when you take a look at um, the soybean meal. So they had a record position, and I think that is just um, spooked some people. Much like the corn from a few weeks back when we saw all the liquidation, the funds liquidated 200,000 contracts of corn. That's why corn broke so much. And we now see them pretty much flat on the COT report. So uh, I think that had a lot to do with it. People just crowded trade. Let's get out a meal. Let's get out of soybeans right now, especially old cop contracts. Do you think some of that could have also been the fact that we're hearing of some decent numbers coming out of Brazil and, and their exports picking up? Well, Brazil's cash market is just in the basement. Um, yes, harvest is picking up and they're starting to get the lion's share. I think the biggest thing is just that, you know, new crop beans have leaked all the way lower. Uh, they're not buying into the bull story. It's been old crop spreads all the way. We have sold a lot more beans than what I thought we would over the last couple, three months. But we'll see what happens as we near summer. But I think it's just a crowded trade. We got this plenty intention report at the end of the month. And do the funds really want to go into it with record length and meal and beans as we approach a very volatile and, and very big report? Well, let's talk about that report real quick here before we jump into the corn and the wheat. There's been some early numbers that came out this week in anticipation of this report. As you look at the talk, are you agreeing or kind of uh, disagreeing with what those numbers are having to say? Well, you know what, Susan, I didn't see the numbers that came out. What were right. they? Well, they were higher. They were higher, definitely a lot higher on what the soybeans were. I have to pull those numbers up. If you give me two seconds, I will pull them up in front of me. So they're saying right now that are expected to plant 90.41 million acres of corn and 87.76 million acres of soybeans this year. That corn number was 90.4? 90.4. Wow, that's smaller than I thought. I, I'm, my numbers are in that 92 range for corn, maybe even a touch more, and then uh, the beans around 87. So uh, for a total of like, you know, 179. So really, you're kind of right on par with, with some of those early trade estimates are going to be, and obviously we know a lot of factors, and, and prevent plant. I've heard a lot of that discussion this week as well as they look at how, you know, snow cover is up in the Dakotas, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's really a concern. There is a lot of snowpack up there. And as we move even from La Nina to El Nino, you're going to have a more active jet stream. And that's going to mean that we're going to have uh, opportunities for more moisture, eastern corn belt. So between the snowpack and maybe more volatility with more thunderstorms and more active weather pattern, uh, we could see some slowdown here in planting progress as we begin this spring. And you combine that with some of the things that we've seen in Brazil with their slower harvests and slower plant is Trina, I think that might have the trade a little bit concerned. Maybe that's why China was in 
buying so much corn this week. I was going to ask you about that because China has definitely been hungry for U.S. corn. Were you surprised three days in a row they were doing buying? Well, you know, I, I did hear there was kind of a rumor mill going around that they were going to do about 2 million metric tons. And we really saw that over the four days. There was three big announcements, and then we cleaned it up this morning. And so um, I'm going to be surprised if they continue at that pace. <laughs> but for right now, I, that's a nice chunk, and corn needed to do some business here on the export side. That was definitely nice to be able to talk about corn once in a while uh, on this market trade. Uh, what about on the corn? Are, are we... Uh, really no length going on in these corn and are we going to continue to be short on the wheat complex well the wheat complex you know on the on the commitment of traders obviously the funds are short a hundred thousand that's a lot and with this corridor deal uh trying to be finished up here by the 18th if nobody does anything i understand it renews for another 120 days as is but i know putin wants 60 days and turkey and europe and un want you know something longer like 120 day or six month but uh, I think there's some nervousness around that, but then also just, you know, both corn and wheat got down to support levels, and they were oversold, and they needed a bounce. And, and so it makes sense that both of them have this week. I think corn had some fresh news. I think wheat was just technically, it just was oversold, and the funds are super short, a little short covering ahead of the weekend. Uh, talk about this weekend. I mean, if, if these numbers and they don't come to an agreement, you say it stays the same, but how do you think the markets will react Sunday night into Monday if there's no, no action? Well, if there's no action and it gets extended, no problem. If, if the deal blows up, then I think you're going to have a huge problem for the shorts in wheat. Also, corn will extend its gains. You know, corn doesn't really turn friendly until you get over 642 on a closing basis, but you know, May corn close today around that 635 area, and we're not far from that, but I would look for the market to roll over from these levels and move lower unless we get unless we get some type of a black swan event over the weekend. Which I hope we do not. Uh, real quick before we head to break with the wheat, are we just going to kind of now be in that wait-and-see pattern for, for dormancy to end and, and see what type of emergence we have? Yeah, I really think so. You know, we got a lot of bad conditions out west. We all know that. But the wheat market has not proven it can close over 710 and, more importantly, 720. It's kind of the area, the line in the sand. If we close above that, we might have a market here again that can rally substantially. But until then, I think it's kind of a dead cat bounce for now. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We have a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. we come back, we're going to talk about that elephant in the room, and that's the banking industry. More is coming up. The Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. I didn't say this at the front half. Happy St. Patty's Day to everybody. Um, too bad the markets. Maybe that's why they went to the lower. They were already out doing some celebrating. As we continue our conversation with Darren Fry with Water Street Advisors and Unfortunately, this banking issue just kind of is the been the elephant in the room, even though they had some some fixings that happened this week. Um, I've heard folks, uh, Darren, that are a little concerned we might see some more uptick in numbers and discussions over the weekend. 
Yeah, I mean, there nobody knows what the Fed's going to do. Obviously, we have that uh, their their announcement on what they're going to do with a rate hike on Wednesday. But you know, there was a lot of uh, trepidation over the weekend with the Silicon Valley Bank, and then the one in New York, and then of course we had Credit Suisse this week, and you know, uh, things are kind of falling apart. But are they falling apart, or did these banks mismanage their investments or portfolios, not hedging properly? There's a couple different perspectives on that, but all in all, the banking system has to be secured and supported if it is uh, as, as tedious as it was in like 08 when we had the housing problem. And so I think the feds, along with the Treasury Department, FDIC stepping in was a good backstop. I think a lot of people think that the feds are going to pause or even pivot off of that. I'm not sure they're going to because this doesn't fix the inflation and some of those inflation numbers are so sticky, some of the services and those things that are hard to get down. So I guess what we're going to do is we're going to see what Paul says on Wednesday and see if they come with a hike. And then what happens after that uh, with these markets. But we could have more of a risk off trade than people want to believe come next week. And you know that agriculture is closely watching what's going on because there's a lot of uh, lending money that's available to them at the start of this planting season. Oh, that's absolutely right. And, you know, what we've seen the, the, the notes and the treasuries do here uh, did whack a couple hundred points off the interest rate if you look at what they built in. And so it'll be interesting to see what Paul does. But interest rates have gotten pretty high for these operating loans, and producers are feeling that pain. So I imagine a lot of people that are borrowing money are rooting for this thing to turn lower. But honestly, Susan, if it does, it says the problem is way worse than we ever expected. And I think that's when you could really see a risk off trade, you know, a few days after that. So I think the Fed stay the course. They don't pivot. They keep going. They do a 25 basis points and they get down the road another month. Well, let's switch gears and take a look at the livestock because the struggle definitely has been there with this cattle market. And do you think they've topped at this point? Yeah, I was calling for a seasonal top in February. Sometimes you get it a month early, like in January, sometimes a month late. I do think we've gotten it a month late. And, and I'm not bearish cattle as bearish as I was a month and a half ago. But I do think we have a nice retracement down to 145, 150 area, you know, for these June cattle. And then after that, I'm looking for a rally into Christmas. And so then after that, maybe in February of 24 is where I see the bigger break that I was expecting this year. I think things are just too tight fundamentally to completely fall apart. But I do think with the size of fund length in the cattle market, we could go a little bit deeper than people are expecting. And how much do you see uh, weighing in on this cattle market, the the available funds, shall we say, for folks as we get headed towards grilling season? Will that take a toll, especially when they watch what's going on in the banking industry and just in general? Well, you could see some forward demand if people are concerned. You know, I've talked to clients this week about some alternative investments that are, are floating around that can give people better rates of return than maybe farmland does right now. And there's a lot of people that would be interested in that, but after what happened over the weekend, you know, people are thinking, hmm, maybe I just keep my powder dry and wait because there's a lot of uncertainty here and maybe cash is king right now, so I'm going to hold off. And so you could see that uh, play out in, in smaller ways, like when the housewife goes to the store, does she buy beef, pork, chicken, what does she do as we come into grill season? So. I really do think, though, the key to demand for the B side is what China does. And they've been a huge buyer over the last three years. 
And so if they turn away from it, that would be detrimental to the cattle market. On the flip side of that, these hogs definitely have taken it um, to the downside this week. Oh, my goodness. You know, I wanted to hedge them. I didn't get them hedged. I, I said, man, I think we could get a big move, but I didn't expect anything like we just got. And so um, I'm looking for a rally to sell. Hopefully we'll get that. A little bit of a turnaround here today to finish the day. So hopefully we can rally into mid-next week, maybe into Thursday, Friday, and get a chance to sell them at better levels. I am looking down in hogs longer term. In fact, I'm projecting that we could be $0.60 cents by fall. All right. Do you see um, any big struggles in the cash in this coming week for cattle or hogs? You know, I just think they'll be bidding lower. It's like this week started off a little bit higher but uh, what they're asking prices, but we ended up trading lower. So I think we could still see that here this next week. All right, Darren, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? couple different ways. They can look me up on Twitter at Fry underscore WSS or call us toll free at our office here in Peoria, Illinois at 866-249-2528. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's a Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.